Cases of coronavirus in the U.S. are surging again. The virus is on the rise in about two-thirds of the country. It's especially surging in the South and the West. Florida reporting nearly 9,000 new cases, its highest single day to date. Texas have seen more than 5,000 new cases each day. In Arizona, 85% of ICU beds are full. Mississippi reporting limited to no ICU capacity. The number of COVID-19 infections has climbed to nearly two and a half million cases in the U.S. The U.S. Health Secretary warns time is running out to bring the virus under control. On Friday, the country reported its highest ever one-day total of new cases. But this spike is different from the one that New York went through in March and April, both in who's getting sick and how healthcare systems are responding. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, June 29th. Coming up on the show, the latest COVID outbreaks in the U.S. and the new approaches hospitals are taking. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com AI for people. Arizona is one of the states where the cases are climbing the fastest. And medical workers around the state are trying to get ready for the influx of patients. Like Dr. Michael White, the chief medical officer of a Phoenix healthcare system called Valleywise Health. My job is to plan and my job is to worry. And worrying to me right now is the increasing positive cases that we're seeing in there and those that potentially may need hospitalization that are going to overwhelm our resources. That is the one worry I have, that we will fill ourselves to capacity and then beyond our capacity as we go forward. Michael's been worrying about his hospital system being overwhelmed since March, when that kind of system overload happened in states like New York and New Jersey. Arizona did have a number of coronavirus cases early on. And Michael was preparing for a surge. But that surge didn't come, which seemed to him like a good sign. I was hopeful when we didn't see that big spike in those March times that hopefully we were going to be able to, as I like to say around here, keep it at a slow, moderate burn where we would see patients, but we would be able to successfully transition them, you know, through their acute phase and into a more convalescent phase of their care without suddenly overwhelming the resources of the delivery systems. And what was the moment when you realized that that slow, moderate burn was starting to change? Here within our health system, we've noticed a small rise in the number of cases within the last two weeks. So we knew once we started to see an increased number of patients that were testing positive for the novel coronavirus within Phoenix, that we were going to start to see more and more positive cases, knowing the exponential spread that we see with the novel coronavirus. Arizona is seeing exponential spread right now. And so are other states around the country. 
places like Texas and Florida. We're seeing both a geographic shift and a shift in actually who is getting infected. Our colleague Brianna Abbott has been reporting on the latest spikes of coronavirus. So early on, the hotspot outbreaks were New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and now those places have done a really good job of slowing down their spread. Cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are on the decline. But now we're starting to see the virus sort of surge in states in the South and in the West. What are some of the reasons that cases are rising in those places? One of the major reasons is a lot of the southern states sort of opened a bit earlier, early in May, compared to a lot of the places that were really hard hit. Some of them didn't necessarily hit all of the criteria that was set out by the public health officials in the White House that you needed to meet, like declining cases. And so a lot of these states opened early May, and then you see things open and people don't necessarily start gathering in large groups right away. You know, it's not like the first day it was opened, everybody sort of crowded bars and restaurants. It's been sort of phased. And so a lot of these cases now, public health experts say that they probably really kicked off around Memorial Day, which is when, after a few states that had been reopened for a bit, a lot of them really let down their guard and people started congregating more often. And it's just been sort of going on ever since. What are states in the South uniquely struggling with that states in the earlier outbreak didn't struggle with? I would say compliance. Early in the days, you really saw in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, everything sort of shut down while cases were going up and you saw everybody adapt and sort of internalize those behaviors. But the issue is in some of these Southern states, everything shut down before cases started spiking. And the public health recommendations don't seem like they're sticking as much. You're seeing people not wearing masks, not socially distancing. The people who tend to be flouting these public health recommendations the most are young people. A lot of it that we're seeing is frankly just clusters of younger people resuming business as usual and sort of congregating in beaches and closely packed bars. The Louisiana Department of Health last week linked more than 100 cases to a cluster of bars in an area near Louisiana State University called Tigerland. You can just sort of see the cases coming when you see everybody packed in there and not taking the precautions. Young people, which states are generally defining as those in their 20s, 30s, and up to mid-40s, have been getting infected at higher rates than in the earlier outbreaks. This is partially because of their behavior, going back to work or going to crowded spaces like bars and restaurants. But Brianna says there's also another reason that the data show more infections. Testing. We do have a better testing capacity than we did in March and April. So back in the early days of the pandemic, when we were struggling to even have capacity within a state to get tested, only the most severely ill that were showing up in hospitals could actually get a test. So we likely missed a lot of mild or moderate cases, which happened to skew younger. So now that we're testing more, you're going to see that shift a little bit. While there is more testing... Has the rate of positive tests changed? Yes. So for the rate of positive tests, that's something that public health officials use to sort of track disease spread while taking testing into account. 
And so earlier on, when we basically weren't testing anybody, the percentage of tests that were coming back positive were really high. It was like 40%. And so that was a sign that we weren't testing enough. But now that the testing is more widespread, if the percentage of positive tests are going up, that means that the disease is spreading. And that's what we're seeing in a lot of these states. So even though we're testing more, the disease is also spreading more. So you spoke with some younger people who became seriously ill with the virus. What were their stories? Yeah, so one of the people that we spoke to was Jimmy Flores, who's 30 and he lives in Phoenix. And he, on the night of June 6th, went to a nightclub with his friends, shared drinks, you know, didn't wear a mask, wasn't socially distancing. He says that he thought he was invincible. And two days later, he felt sick. The next week, he was in the hospital breathing from an oxygen tube after testing positive for COVID-19. And before this, he didn't know anyone with COVID. And now he knows 15 people who have tested positive. And there have been similar stories from parties in Florida with just people going out. And then all of a sudden, their entire group just get struck down. What did doctors and public health officials who you spoke with say about the current outbreak? They said that they were sort of alarmed by what they were seeing because now all of a sudden the average age of someone testing positive for COVID-19 has dropped. And they're seeing younger people in their 20s and 30s gasping for breath because they have been hospitalized with this disease after not necessarily thinking that it was a big deal. Granted, younger people do, on average, have better outcomes than older people, but younger people also have underlying health conditions. There's also a risk. There's no guarantee that you are protected just because you're young and you're fit and you're healthy, like you're still sort of seeing bad consequences. And so they're really concerned about it, not only just for younger people, but how it's spreading in those communities, because not only are young people getting really sick, but they can also pass it on to others who are going to have worse consequences than them. Once it starts spreading, it just gets harder to stop. In states like Florida, Texas, and Arizona, ICUs are now running out of beds, and doctors are starting to sound the alarm. After the break, how Dr. Michael White has been preparing his hospital system in Arizona and what he's learned from earlier outbreaks. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. 
Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. Welcome back. In Dr. Michael White's hospital system in Arizona, they're reaching capacity. Some staff members are having to work new shifts or jobs just to make sure patients are cared for. And Michael says he watched the struggles of New York hospitals earlier this year when they had little experience managing the disease, a limited supply of protective gear, and minimal testing. They learned a lot on the fly. Those of us that are a little later here are really going to be able to take some of those lessons to heart and hopefully learn from their experience. Those lessons from early hit states have helped Michael's hospital system figure out how to best treat COVID patients. We've seen the things that they did early on within the pandemic around the use of ventilators. We understand the early use of ventilators may be detrimental to patients. You know, we're learning more about how we can manage folks with oxygen therapy, some of those team-based approaches around how patients are positioned in a prone position, laying on their stomach, creating the teams that are just dedicated on helping turn patients, the proning teams. The hospital also had more time to build special treatment areas for COVID patients so that there's a lower risk of the virus being spread around the hospital we create an additional 25 areas that can do negative pressure within our hospital that didn't exist you know, before March. You know, so we've had the luxury of time to be able to do that. What is the benefit of negative pressure rooms? It really helps us make certain that in any of the aerosolizing procedures, so anything that could potentially put droplets in the air, those get immediately sucked out of the room and out into filters and then filter to the outside. To reduce the spread of infectious particles. Correct. It decreases the chance that you could, you know, have it spread within the facilities or, you know, having it spread directly to actually one of the healthcare workers that can then, can then carry it out somewhere else. And hospitals across Arizona have also had more time to develop systems to transfer patients so that one hospital doesn't get overloaded. This was something that New York City hospitals struggled with when cases peaked there. We saw it very early on in Arizona because of our proximity to the Navajo Nation in the northern part of Arizona, where their capacity in northern Arizona was quickly overwhelmed and how we got patients from northern Arizona down into the valley here within Phoenix and how those patients then could be distributed amongst the health systems here. So not one health system was being overwhelmed all at once. So that's hospitals working together to manage patient transfers, so not one hospital or hospital system is overburdened. Correct. And it's become a larger and larger group as this pandemic has progressed. Arizona is already seeing a lower mortality rate than states with earlier outbreaks, in part because of better treatment and preparedness that came with a more generous timeline. That could still change, since some public health experts say a rise in deaths could still be coming. As a healthcare executive and a healthcare leader, it's certainly stressful to make sure that we are able to have the resources available. We want to make sure we have everything in place to be able to care for whoever walks in the door and be ready for that. Again, we just don't want to be overwhelmed all at once. When that happened here in New York and the hospitals got taxed, there was one tool that we had, because there's no vaccine, was right. 
shut it down, social distancing. Now that cases are climbing in Arizona again, do you think the state should consider shutting down again? I think we need to do our best to understand, you know, the best way to handle this is what we did in in March, is we did stay at home for a while and we saw the cases go down. I recognize that everybody is maybe a little taxed and a little tired from having to do this early on, but we know that that works around that. Unfortunately, you're right, we don't have a lot of other strategies without vaccination or other known therapies to really cure the virus to do that. Some of the states experiencing spikes are taking steps to shut back down. Florida ordered its bars, which had reopened, to close again. In South Florida, counties are closing beaches for the July 4th weekend. Texas also ordered its bars to close. And Governor Greg Abbott said Sunday the virus has taken, quote, a very swift and very dangerous turn. That's all for today, Monday, June 29th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.